Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. We have been studying the book of Ecclesiastes all summer. It's been awesome. We've had some major revelation, I think, in our lives. And today, like Una said, I'm going to land this plane more like Ecclesiastes. (laughs) Friedman's joke. I stole it. So you get to do that when you're married. You get to steal things from each other. Um, But Pastor Pradeepan said last week, he said, next week, Amritha is going to close this series and we're going to finally end with some hope. And I looked at him and I said, have you read Ecclesiastes 12? Because it does not feel super hopeful. Look at Ecclesiastes 1. We're going to read this together. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when people rise up at the sound of birds but all their songs grow faint. When people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along the desire and no desire, no longer is desire is stirred, then people go to their eternal home and mourners go to the streets. Remember him. For before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, everything is meaningless. There's your hope. (laughs) See you next week. You know, I'm trying not to be offended today that I'm preaching chapter 12 after turning 40 years old this June, this summer. And I uh, think this is really kind of crazy because listen to what this says. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. You know what that means? It means you're getting old. It means it feels like the end. It feels like you're nearing the end. Then the author starts speaking in metaphors. And he says, when the keepers of the house tremble. You know what that means? It means your mind starts going. It means you can't remember things anymore. The strong men stoop. Your body begins to give out. When the grinders cease because there are few. Do you know what grinders are? They're your teeth. It means your teeth are going to fall out. My grandmother had false teeth. Did anybody have a grandma or grandpa with false teeth? And I remember she would pull those things out and set them on the table sometimes to, like, clean them or something. And we would, like, she put them back in, and us kids would, like, play basketball at her basketball uh, little court thing outside of her house. And she would say, kids, make sure that ball doesn't fly in my face and break my false teeth. Grinders. This is what it's talking about. The grinders cease. Your teeth are falling out. When the widows grow dim, that means your eyes give out. You can't see. When the almond trees blossom and grasshoppers drag themselves along. Does anybody know what almond trees blossoming looks like? I have a picture right here. 
this is what those almond trees look like. Oh, look how beautiful it is. Well, you know what? The author of Ecclesiastes is saying, look at those white, beautiful blossoms on this tree because your hair is going to go gray and you're going to get a lot of white hair. Beautiful, right? We're getting old. And the grasshoppers that were once bouncy and vibrant, now just dragging their bodies along. This is so depressing. Is the author ending this whole thing by just saying, you're going to get old and you're going to die? Surely, I hope, there is more. And there is. But before that, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever wondered what it's, what it's going to be like, what you're going to look like when you get old? I've wondered that before. Um, and so Pastor Pradeepin, he took a picture of us and uh, from his camera roll from a few years ago when our daughter was just a little baby. And he like put it in this app with the filter that shows you what you're going to look like when you're super old. Okay, you guys want to see this? Because this is the picture of us and what we're going to look like <laughs> when we're old. I look like I'm in pain. I'm just glad. I'm just glad that Pastor Pradeepin has more gray hairs than I do. Come on. Come on. And then Nala, she's just, you know, perfect right there. But that's what, that's what it looks like. This is what it looks like when we get old. I don't know what the app is. Talk to me after church. Talk pretty even after church. And you can look at yourself when you get older. But the author goes on to say something really significant and really special. And I believe that God has something for us today. We're going to pick up in Ecclesiastes 12:11. It says this. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collecting, they're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books there is no end. And much study wearies the body. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So the author helps us understand that we are going to get old and we are going to die. And much of our earthly life, many of the things that we strive for will be meaningless. But in the very end, after all of these things, he says, but you know what? Of all the things, fear God and keep his commandments. And isn't it interesting, sometimes we see that people will often surrender their lives to Jesus on their deathbeds. And it's because there's just sort of this healthy fear of God that comes over them. But can I tell you this morning, you don't have to be on your deathbed to fear God and to follow his commands in your life. Amen. Having a fear of the Lord begins to also answer another question that we've been having in this whole book. And it's this question of how. How do I find wisdom? How do I, uh, uh, how do I find knowledge? Where do I look for these things? And as I turned 40 a couple months ago, I just thought to myself, man, I still have so many questions. I have so many questions about God. I have so many questions about how life works. I have so many questions about the Bible. I, as I grow older, anybody like that? I just, I just feel like the more answers I get, the more questions come with it, right? Pastor Pradeepan and I, uh, we're watching this show. I'll tell you this. I know in my life I have uh, searched out answers for meaning, 
for wisdom in some healthy ways and in some not so healthy ways. Pastor Preeve and I were watching this show. It's called Indian Matchmaker, okay? And Indian Matchmaker is like one of my favorite shows. Season three just came out, okay? Anyway, it's about this Indian woman who her entire profession and career is to be a matchmaker. And it's, it's essentially like the modern day arranged marriages for Indian people who want to uh, hire a matchmaker to help them find their, their future spouse. So what she does is she collects information on all of these people. They're called biodatas, okay? So she gets the biodata of a man and of a woman. She looks through all of them. She scans all of her people, and she says, aha, this person would be a great match with this person. And the whole show shows you how these people get on their first date and how awkward it is and how then they go on more dates and they decide if they're going to get married or not. Isn't this crazy? And uh, there's this one guy that she was like, I need more information on this guy. She looked at her his bio data. She saw his whole profile, and she, she knew because he had told her that he's just had this horrible time. I'm dating, can't find somebody, doesn't know what's going on. So, so the matchmaker is like, I need more wisdom and more knowledge about this guy. So you know what she does? She takes his photo to a face reader. I didn't even know those existed. And the face reader looks at this like normal-looking guy, his photo, and she says, a curse has been put upon this guy, and he won't find a wife until the curse is broken. Isn't that wild? Can you imagine your photo being shown to somebody, a face reader, and that's what they say about you? I would absolutely be just destroyed if that happened to me. But that's what we do. We search for knowledge and for wisdom in a lot of different ways. Some of us, like Pastor Pradeepan was sharing last week, he researches and researches and he looks and he looks for information. Some of us are just climbing the ladder of success. We're kind of in this rat race just trying to figure out who we are. Some of us just go from one relationship to the next relationship. We just over and over and over again, we're just seeing one person after another. And you know what? I, I, it's because we're in search of understanding and finding our own worth and our own value. And we're not looking for it in Christ, right? Some of us, we worship politics. Some of us say, hey, you know what? The knowledge and the wisdom that I need is in my political party, Right? We search for wisdom and for knowledge in all these different ways. And I want to tell you, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, the author says, Of reading many books and studying to attain knowledge, there is no end, and you'll become weary. But of all of the things, of how you're going to search and what it is that you're searching for, the place to start is to fear God and follow his commandments. Start there. Fear God. You're looking and you're searching and you're tired of looking and searching. And, and the author says, listen, I'm, I've been on this journey of looking for meaning. But what I've come to is to say to you, you need to fear God. You need to follow his ways for your life. Amen. So today I want to answer three questions. I want to answer the question, what is the fear of the Lord? Why is it important, and how do we live this out practically? Did you know that the fear of the Lord, this phrase, is mentioned over 300 times in the Bible? 
So when that happens, I stop and I think to myself, this wasn't just a good idea that Isaiah and Moses and some of these Old Testament writers had. This wasn't just a good idea that Jesus and Paul in the New Testament begin to talk about the fear of the Lord. This, the fear of the Lord, is a fundamental part of our Christianity. So we have to get this. So we have to understand this. This isn't a side deal. This has got to be the lens in which we experience all of life through. Amen? So number one, what is the fear of the Lord? Well, listen, there is a difference between being scared of God and having a healthy fear of the Lord. And Moses in Exodus, actually, he starts showing us this. I want to tell you, do you remember in Exodus when Moses, he takes the, he, he takes the Israelites, he sets them free, they walk through the ocean, and they, they get on the other side, and they're free. And do you know that Moses, he did not actually take them to the promised land first. He took them to the promise maker first. And he said, I actually want to take all these people who've been in slavery for 40 years. They've ju they're just now experiencing freedom for the first time in 40 years. I want to take them and I want them to come meet God because I met God in the desert. And so he takes them to the mountain where he met God in the burning bush. And we're picking up in Exodus 20, 18. And this is what it says. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. So they're at this mountain, and they're afraid of God. And, and they, they stay at a distance away from God, the God who delivered them. They're, they're backing away from him. And Moses is saying, wait a minute. I know all this lightning and thunder and crazy stuff is scary, but God wants you to know that he is alive and real, and he's the one that brought you out of slavery, and he's the one that you need to walk toward, not away from. He says you don't need to fear God in the trembling fear way, but you do need to have a healthy fear of God a respect for him and awe for him. You know the word fear in Hebrew, it, it actually means this. It's, it, well, let me just say, it doesn't mean uh, that, that we're scared in like a slavish fear of death, of wrath, of damnation. The word fear in Hebrew actually means this. It is a reverence of the divine majesty and awe of his greatness and glory, a serious regard for his commands. The fear of the Lord, this is our definition today, is reverence of the divine majesty and awe of his greatness and glory, a serious regard for his commands. Moses was trying to help these people not be trembling in fear before God, but to say, would you have a respect for God? Would you have an awe of God? Uh, N.T. Wright talks about the fear of the Lord in this way. I love how he talks. If I had an English accent, I would use it, but I don't. So I'm just going to read this uh, the way that he says it. He says this, our English word fear can slide to and fro. There is a fear that is a panicky fear, and some people think that's what fearing God is supposed to mean. And then they say, how can that coexist with love? And the answer is no. In the Hebrew, which the Greek is struggling to retain here, fear means reverence, 
Fear means awe. It's the kind of awe that you feel when you walk into one of the most great, lovely buildings like a huge cathedral, and you have the sense of, I ought to mind my P's and Q's when I'm in here. And yet it's beautiful, and you want to be there, and yet you have a sense that you need to talk in a hushed tone and be careful what you do because this place matters. That's the kind of sense I think fear means. That when we think of being in God's presence, wow, we need to take this very, very seriously. I heard someone say once, someone who has a healthy fear of the Lord has nothing to hide before God. They have nothing to hide. But a person who has an unhealthy fear, a scared kind of fear, I want to stay at a distance because I'm scared kind of fear, they have something to hide. Moses didn't have anything to hide. He said, I want to take my people up here where I met God. But do you remember what happened with Adam and Eve? They had, they sinned. And do you know what the first thing they did is? They tried to hide from God. They tried to hide from him. And they didn't yet have this reverence and this awe. And God was like, listen, I actually don't want you to give in to your fleshly desires and sin and be away from me. I want to be close to you. And so we see that. Lastly, I want to share a definition that Solomon, a man known for his wisdom in the scriptures, has for the fear of the Lord. He says this in Proverbs 9.12. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 14.27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. I think often we think about the fear of the Lord, and it's just kind of out there. But I want us to understand that in this pursuit of wisdom, in this pursuit of understanding, that in order to be wise, we must fear God. And in order to fear God, we must know God. And in order to know him, we must encounter Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And this is how we begin to fear the Lord and have a reverence for him. And I want you to understand that God wants to be with you. He does not want you to distance yourself from him in your healthy fear of who he is, in your awe and in your respect of who God is. My brother was telling me this story that there were only two times in his life where my dad spanked him with a belt. I never got spanked with a belt because I started crying beforehand, and then my dad felt really bad, and he couldn't spank me. So my brother got all the discipline, right? So there were two times, and my brother said the two times that dad spanked me with a belt, one time was when he called my sister and I like a bad name. I don't remember what it was. It must not have been me. And the other time was in a, in a, he was in class at school as an elementary kid, and he called another girl in his class a bad name. And my dad spanked him with a belt both times. Of all of the things that he did to make mistakes, those were the two times that my dad was like, "Uh uh-uh, you will not ever do that again. And this is what my brother said. He said, I was wrong. My relationship with my father let me know why I was wrong. And I appropriately feared his discipline before and after he corrected the behavior. In doing so, a father instilled the value of respecting women in his son. The fear of God is found in respecting his authority, obeying his instructions, submitting to his discipline, and worshiping him in loving awe. I love this because my dad loved my brother so much that he wasn't willing to let him repeat that mistake over and over and over again. It was love. And he wanted him to have this healthy fear, right? 
And God loved him. My brother experienced God's love through the discipline of my father in that way. So I want us to understand that we must fear God. We must follow his commands. If everything else is meaningless, this is not. This is not. Number two. So why is this important? Why is it important to fear the Lord? Why would the scriptures repeat this 300 times? Well, this is my belief as I've been praying about this. I believe that the author comes to this conclusion, and this is so important because it is very, very, very vital that we do not act like we are Lord of our own lives. And I think this is what's happening. We love God as Savior, as Rescuer, as the one who loves us and he forgives us. And that is true about God. This is true about the gospel and of good news. But we don't love it when we have to follow his commandments and follow his ways. And we don't become the master of our own life. We let him be the master of our lives. This is why this is so important. Uh, it, we struggle. We like to decide what is right and wrong for us. We like to decide what is right and wrong for other people. We as a society have decided what is ethically and morally right, and we don't have a standard in which to base this off of. This is what happens when we become Lord of our own lives. In Judges, it says that Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. We struggle to truly care about what the Bible says about our finances and our sexuality and what is God actually saying about the sin that you're struggling with and what you're living in. Romans 1.25 says they exchanged the truth about God and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator. Some of us, I think, we're choosing different parts of our lives to allow God into. Some of us are using Christianity as another self-help tool. And some of us have more of a fear of man than a fear of God. We care more about what's socially acceptable rather than what's biblically acceptable. Do we have any uh, 90s Christian music fans in here? We've got a few. Okay, we've got a few. This is showing my age. I already told you. I'm 40. Okay, there was this band in the 90s, Christian band, Christian music, and the band was called DC Talk. And DC, okay, now you're like waking up. So DC Talk, they sang and they rapped, okay? They sang and they rapped, and I knew every word to their album, Free at Last, okay? Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. And I am going to sing to you part of this song, not free at last. Wow. Thank you for pumping me up. Um, the song is actually called Socially Acceptable because we're talking about how we care more about what is socially acceptable than what is biblically acceptable, right? Okay, so this is how the song goes. Socially acceptable, it's okay, it's all right. Socially acceptable, it's okay in whose sight? To label wrong or right by the people's sight is like going to a loser to ask advice and buy basing your plans on another man's way of living life. Is creating a brand of ethics sure to be missing the punch? No count morals that are out to lunch. They're sliding away because everything is okay. It was taboo, but best for today you say, what the hey? Okay, there's one more verse. Okay, hang on. Ready? We got to go back to the principles found in the word. A little G-O-D could be society's care from the state that we're in. Because, again, we're slipping. So pray for a 
job, babe. I have always wanted to embody DC Talk. That was my moment. Thank you for letting me have my moment. The point is this. Jesus isn't just our savior. He's our master. We don't, uh, we don't bend to him. He doesn't bend to us. We bend to him. The fear of man leads to a trap. The fear of God leads me to rap. Ecclesiastes. Are you living your life to please you or please the Lord? Are you striving to make a name for yourself or a name for God? Are you living for something greater than yourself? You know if you're not, you're probably pretty miserable at times in your life. I love this quote by Martin Luther King Jr. He says this, By opening our lives to God in Christ, we become new creatures. This experience which Jesus spoke of as the new birth is essential if we are to be transformed nonconformists. Only through an inner spiritual transformation do we gain the strength to fight vigorously the evils of the world in a humble and loving spirit. I think some of us are in awe of God's love and his grace. And like I said, his forgiveness over and over and over again. But I wrote down some questions that were really convicting to me to help me understand, do I really have the fear of the Lord? Am I really living this out? Or am I just sort of adding to some of the darkness that the world has to offer? When it comes to caring for the poor, which God says in the scriptures is true religion, do I have the fear of the Lord? When it comes to sexuality and sexual sin, do I have the fear of the Lord? When it, comes when it comes to the times that over and over and over again we give in to temptations such as pornography or hanging out with someone that's not our spouse and eventually cheating on our spouse, do we have the fear of the Lord for our marriages, for our children? I know I got the fear of the Lord when I started raising children in the ways of the Lord. Do we have the fear of the Lord? I think some of us, I think you got to hear this. I think some of us have more respect and more awe for what CNN and for what Fox is saying and for, our, for what our favorite TikTok influencer is saying. We have more respect and awe for those things than the fear of the Lord. And we need to check and we need to allow the Holy Spirit to evaluate. Most likely, listen. If you are committing the same sin over and over and over again, and you don't have a repentant heart, you probably don't have the fear of the Lord. It's important to have a repentant heart. And I say the word repent because repent means to not only confess your sin, but to turn away and change your actions. So do we have the fear of the Lord? Yes, Romans says, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And that is good news. And I am so thankful. But the author in Ecclesiastes ends this whole thing in 20 verse 14 saying, For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. You know, God tells Joshua, tell the people, tell them to always keep the book of the Lord on their lips. Tell them to meditate on it. Tell them to follow my ways. For who? For their success. God is not trying to keep you from an abundant life. It is by following his ways that you will have abundant life. Have the fear of the Lord. Why is this important? Remember our definition. We fear the Lord for reverence and divine majesty and the greatness and glory of God. 
but we also need to seriously regard his commands. Having the fear of the Lord, I just want you to know, is not always going to be popular. It's going to mean that we live different lives. It's going to mean we may not always be liked. But it's important, I believe, that when we have the fear of the Lord and we follow his ways, it will not only impact our lives, but it will impact those around us. And in turn, I believe it will have an effect on the society that we live in. Amen? Amen. Number three, how do we live this out? How do we live out the fear of the Lord? Well, Proverbs 2 says this, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as the silver, as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. I want to go back to what my brother said about what my father taught him. He said, the fear of the Lord is respecting his authority. How do we respect his authority practically? Well, I think some of us, we really need to let his commands overpower our commands and let him be Lord of our lives and not us. Some of us need to understand that God's ways and truly live out that his ways are higher than our ways. So when you come to that moment of temptation, you remember that his ways are different from your ways. That's how we live out the fear of the Lord. Practically, uh, uh, living out the fear of the Lord is obeying his instructions. You know what you got to do practically? You got to become familiar with the scriptures. You got to read your Bible. You got to understand it so that you can honor God and follow what he says. We got to submit to his discipline. We got to be teachable. We can't be so easily offended. Those are some practical ways also to fear the Lord. And practically, we got to worship him in loving awe. And we're doing that corporately. We're worshiping God together here in this place. This is how we fear the Lord in our lives. Oswald Chambers says this, The remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. I was remembering a time in my life when I just had this great sense of the fear of the Lord in my life. It was in 2017. Pastor Preepin and I had decided that we were going to co-pastor this church, but I had not yet been ordained as a pastor. And so our board of directors and our staff at the time, we just decided this needs to be one of the very first things that we do is ordain uh, Amritha as a pastor of Kalos Church because God called us to do this together. And I'll never forget my ordination ceremony. We were standing on a stage in the parlor comedy club. And it smelled like club smells in there. <laughs> but we were standing, and there were about maybe seven or eight of us, because that's how big Kalos Church was back then, just a few of us. And I'll never forget um, getting handed this certificate. This certificate. And I want to read this to you, because this is a moment in my life where I had the fear of God in the most honoring and respecting and, and a little bit of trembling, but I had the fear of God in my life. And this is what this says. Amritha Jiva Manoharan, it did actually fit, the whole, the whole name fit on here. Amritha Jiva Manoharan pledges to work for the spiritual welfare of all people and the unity of all believers 
and having given satisfactory evidence of sound doctrine and Christian character, possessing proven Christian qualities, having been called and anointed of God to minister to the body of Christ as recognized and confirmed by the public laying on of hands by the Presbyterian, is hereby solemnly and prudently declared an ordained pastor. And I had the fear of the Lord. And I realized, whoa, this is not about me. This is about the stewardship of the people of God who want a spiritual life. This is not about me. This is about what God has for a region. This is not about me. This is about God's love for his people here in Seattle, here, sitting right here. I have the fear of the Lord as I pray for you each week. I have the fear of the Lord because I need to be off stage who I am on stage. I have the fear of the Lord when I became an ordained pastor. And do you know that the Bible says that I will be held accountable differently because I am a pastor, because I'm walking with you in your spiritual journeys? It was so good. I walk this thing out. I know that as a pastor, I cannot, I cannot live out a day of being a pastor impacting people's life without Jesus Christ. I don't want to do it without him. So I have a fear of the Lord. I have a reverence for him. I, I recognize that I, I need to follow him first before I start telling you to follow his commandments. And so this morning, I want to ask you, do you have a fear of the Lord? I'm praying this over you, church, that you would have a reverence, that you would take seriously his commandments, that you would understand the great importance of living with the fear of the Lord. Why? Because this is how God moves in his people. This is how God changes a society to become more godly. We do this by reading scripture, by being teachable, by worshiping God. Amen? So that's my prayer for you today. As I was praying about ending this whole book of Ecclesiastes, I started writing down some phrases. Like, what do I want to get out of this whole book? I don't want to just read this, have a study, be done, not read it again for 20 years or whatever. And I started writing down some things. And as I was writing them down, they started turning into more like declarations that I want over my life. And when you have scriptures that are declarations that you have over your life, it's really, really powerful. So I wanted to share with you these declarations that, that I wrote out. And if you want to take a picture of these, there's two slides you can. But I want to read these declarations to you that come from the things that we have learned in Ecclesiastes. I will not make an idol out of certitude. But relax knowing there are mysteries I can trust God with. I will not make an idol out of my work. I will work with skill, grace, and thanksgiving, knowing it will all go to dust. I will not try to control outcomes. Instead, I will be content in all things. I will not despair while living in a morally upside-down world. I will live in wisdom, authenticity, and integrity. I will not make an idol out of riches or success, but be open-hearted, open-handed, and generous. I will not bring sabotage upon myself. I will pay attention to God's good gifts in my life. I will not shrink back from the uncertainty and complexity of life. Instead, I will live boldly, casting my bread upon the water, knowing Jesus is my security. I will not grow weary in working out my faith. I will use it as an opportunity for spiritual refinement. 
And while I will not give into earthly pleasures or sinful ways, but commit to truth, knowing I'm at my best following God's ways. And the last one, I will fear God and I will take seriously his commandments for he started the journey I'm on and I will allow him to finish it. Amen. Those are some declarations that I encourage you to keep with you as we close out this series on Ecclesiastes. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is powerful. And so, Lord, I pray that as we close this chapter, this book of the Bible, our study on it, that the things that you taught us would stay with us. So, Holy Spirit, we commit in our search for meaning and the questions that have no answers in our lives. Father, we commit to fearing the Lord and we commit to following your ways and your commandments. For we know that it is your love. It is your son that you sent to the cross. Father, we're in awe of your love. We're in awe of who you are and we honor you and respect you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time. Thank you.